The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. This is the cream in your coffee, your favorite wrestler's favorite wrestler, the Jewish canon, the physical embodiment of charisma, the most entertaining man in professional wrestling, the Bernie Sanders of professional wrestling, the best of the best, Mr. American Rana Davey Wrestling, the 104-minute man, the main event. I'm really, really good at Twitter, the king of taunts, the product David Starr, and you're listening to the Rough House Podcast. The opinions expressed in the Rough House podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the WWE, Lucha Underground, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, GFW, are they even still a thing? MCW Pro Wrestling, CZW, Nads Flappy Sack, Marvel Studios, Kellogg's, Frisky's Cat Food, Ted Turner, Jameson Irish Whiskey, Fruit of the Loom, Hershey's, Samsung, Amblin Entertainment, Groundskeeper Willie, or the cast and crew of The Walking Dead. Since the dawn of mankind, those in professional wrestling have turned to the Pro Wrestling Podcast to gain insight into how to do their jobs, how to create angles, develop new characters, and create fiery feuds with which to capture an audience's attention. What better group of individuals than basement dwellers on internet-purchased microphones to guide the hand of a multi-million dollar industry? We're proud to present one such podcast, courtesy of the Realm Network, here at the Rough House, where black people and white people watch wrestling. And Hispanic people, too. And all people. <laughs> as, as i will delay it forever yes. and we're live we're there live we, we're going we uh are. yeah woo oh, wow yeah that's that's some excitement there buddy it's Fourth early of july weekend chris Fourth of july week yeah but it's over in a couple hours it some, is some days are monday junior <laughs> yeah well i i get to work from home tomorrow because uh some we aren't gonna day. have we aren't going to have bathrooms. Uh, they're they're oh. messing with our water system. They're they're basically putting an office in next to our office, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. they're shutting off the water. So we all have okay. to work from home. So uh, technically, important. technically, I get that extra day of uh, of a Fourth of July weekend, which makes sense because I didn't get to actually have Friday off, unlike uh-huh. other folks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Chris, let me tell you, the fireworks started early on Monday, didn't they? Look at this. That's why you make the no bucks. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Remember, folks, your Patreon money still goes to Chris. That's true. I give him zero. <laughs> absolutely zero cents. Yes. Yes. I am. I am literally slave labor at this point. And he does all the heavy lifting, too. <laughs> <laughs> like, as a prime example, yesterday, Saturday, um, I, I texted Marty and I said, I know I could easily Google this and find out the answer, but uh, is the G1 uh, New Japan show on New Japan World as well as Access? And of course, yeah. I knew Marty would know the answer, and he did, and he responded very promptly, uh, to which led to me storming into his house and sitting <laughs> on his couch to watch G1 because I don't have access. 
that's that's true but hey you know what that was a great time and we're going to talk about the, the opening night of the g1 uh but uh the pro wrestling week started as it always does with monday night raw and it was uh, officially unofficially the first night of the paul Heyman era yeah. and uh you could feel those fingerprints all over the show he was only about one knuckle deep into this show but yes. uh you could you could tell it was uh it was it was you know just just uh just faintly tickling the yeah, spot yeah, yeah. that we really right needed it to be you know, with that one knuckle there. Um, just as we continue the fingering uh, talk on the podcast <laughs> over the past month. And, yep. and it, uh, shockingly enough, Ricochet got, got a nice, got a nice boost from, uh, from Polly dangerously having a hand in this uh, proverbial cookie jar as it yes. were. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, his, uh, his influence is starting to be seen on the show. We had a, uh, we had a huge, big open, Blamo yeah. sort of a uh, sort of thing uh, with Lashley and um, and, and Strowman, which yeah. you know, uh, one the, even aside from the fireworks of of that happening, it was refreshing to not get a twenty minute promo to open Raw. Yeah, yeah, props for that. I mean, uh, something that's been uh, uh, pushed around the web quite a bit, whether you're following Twitter or Reddit or Facebook or, or what have you is uh, Paul Heyman made a comment a few years ago when he was doing one of his Q and a shows in England. And he said that he felt the whole uh, GM process, the whole opening promo process is kind of passe that, that people don't watch professional wrestling to see how the sausage is made every week. Um, and the sausage in the shorts. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, uh, appropriately, no 20 minute promo, no yeah. big segment where as my cat decides to <laughs> hop in front of the, uh, camera there, um, <laughs> exclusive for the Patreon video viewers there. Um, so, uh, no big opening 20 minute segment. No, uh, here's Shane. I mean, we did get Shane McMahon later on the show, but no, here's the big man's to, to set up the, you know, six man main event of the evening yeah. or, or anything like that. We just went straight to the ring. We had Strowman. We had Bobby Lashley. It was a Falls Count Anywhere match. And uh, the battle went right up to that ramp. And sure enough, Strowman got put through the video boards in the front. And here come the explosions and a completely audible, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, out of everyone's favorite commentator. Uh, so. <laughs> Is he? I mean, I, I guess by default. Yeah. I, well. <laughs> Well, if we're not counting Renee Young, who I'm sure uh, maybe it wasn't audible, probably just went, oh, as she does to everything. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but Corey Graves got to throw out Nest Bomb. Uh, yeah. And for the first time in quite a while, uh, Raw felt live. Raw felt um, unscripted. Exciting, yeah. yeah. All felt exciting um, to to quote our dear pal Justin. Uh, this was the first time in a long time where you feel like you need to text somebody and say, "Holy shit, did you just see what happened on Raw?" Yeah, I, I can't honestly remember the last time that it happened. Um, and you know it it looked cool. Uh, you know yeah. It, it was yeah. You know, and I don't know if six months down the line when this something like this may have happened again once or twice you know if it would look as cool then as it does now but because it was something so different than what we're used to seeing it definitely popped a little more um than it would have you know like a year or so down the line so yeah it, yeah. it was refreshing it was exciting the fireworks you know it was it was rigged to hell but you know yeah. it, it was 
look, it's pro wrestling. And yeah. it's it, it it's what it, you know, something that uh that catches my eye. I was like, okay, you have my attention. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and props to uh the writing of the show throughout because not only did they continue to reference what happened at the top of the show, not only did they show replays in a way that was pertinent, unlike yeah. a lot of times where you know raw can turn into a recap fest to pad out three hours. Uh guys were making reference to references to it in their promos. Just yeah. you know, uh a tossaway reference of of you know, I hope bronze okay or i've never seen anything like that you know i i thought it made the show feel like uh an actual like ecosystem of talent as opposed right. to here's this guy in his angle here's that guy in his angle right i i really enjoyed that quite a bit like it it felt like a living breathing show which is what it's supposed to feel like right yeah i mean most of these guys share locker rooms with with right. each other so right it's right not like you know, they're not talking to each other, you know, IRL back there. And I'm trying to think back to when, you know, something that exciting or gifable happened. And they all kind of involve Braun Strowman, whether yeah. it being throwing the chair at Roman Reigns, which yeah. was great, mm -hmm. or tipping over the ambulance or, or all these other crazy Pulling feats of strength that he did. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, those were, you know, and it's good for Braun Strowman because, you know, he could use a little badass rebuilding. Um and if he's, you know, if he may be gone to sell the injury from the, yeah, they actually said hospital too. Oh yeah. Not a local medical facility. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. So actually hearing the word hospital is, uh, is just, it's so stupid that that's something that we're pointing out, right. but it's such a Vinceism that the absence of local medical medical facility, although I think it may have been used once as well, but you know, is more of a weaning out than a cold turkey sort of thing. And I'll take it right. because, right. like you said, it's something it's something different, and our our eyes and ears are so programmed to what we're used to seeing on Raw that anything out of the ordinary will. Oh, okay. All right, yeah. cool. We're into this. And uh, there, there was, there was, uh, you know, it continued throughout the show um, as well. Yes. Uh, just want to double back. The only other angle I can think of that had like this type of uh, immediate impact in recent memory. Also a Paul Heyman joint, the uh, Charlotte Becky Rhonda uh, arrest angle. But yeah, even that, that even that still kind of felt like it was in a bubble. You, you know, you didn't have yeah. the rest of the guys and gals backstage reacting to it, which you think they would. But, you know, um, it, it is what it is. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, the the hits kept coming and uh the next one uh well i know at least one listener uh is a big fan of this uh we got the latest incarnation of mike and maria canellis as well mike's getting cucked on a big stage folks man this is this is fantastic okay uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's kind of a takeoff on the old Beulah pregnancy Tommy Dreamer angle, except for no one gives a fuck about this Tommy Dreamer, and everyone is just slamming on this Tommy Dreamer. Um, so Mike Kanellis and Maria Kanellis have re-signed with the WWE. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they're getting paid half a million dollars each or half a million dollars cumulatively per year, but whatever. Game respect game there. For five years. Five years, five-year deal yeah. locked down until what? 2024, which that's math. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, also just a weird thing to say out loud. Like that's, that's a year we're going to live in. Yeah. Um, so 2024. Uh, 
And the first thing they do under this brand new contract is a make Mike look like a complete fucking chump mm-hmm. by having him have the shit beat out of him by Seth and Becky. Right. And Maria talks shit about him. And Maria says that he couldn't get her pregnant, but also oops, pal surprise. She's pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. And she is working the angle uh, in real life that she didn't know she was pregnant when she signed the deal, which yeah. may be true. It, yeah, it, sure. it, it may be, but this whole thing is just a choice piece of mwah, chef kiss of a work from these guys to lock yeah. themselves into this amount of deal, you know, and, and, and Maria just like, Oh, well, thanks for, uh, thanks for signing me to, uh, to five years, quarter of a million dollar each year. Uh, I'm going to go away for, uh, for a year now, uh, as I, as I, uh, hold to term a child and then raise it within the first couple months of its, uh, of its life. So good on you. Canalis, get that paper. Yeah, exactly. Like I, for the longest time, I said Kevin Nash was the smartest man in professional wrestling. Yeah, get paid a lot to do a little. Brock mm-hmm. Lesnar took that crown uh, because, again, gets paid regularly to do something he doesn't really seem to like for the most part. Yep, uh, and gets paid exorbitantly to do so. Correct. Well, sorry, Brock, you've been beaten by Maria. Maria Cadellas is officially the smartest worker in professional wrestling. Bless I, your heart. Uh, goddamn, that just. Just yeah. bravo. And, and not only bravo. that talking point, but we're getting a cuck storyline on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> yeah, so, I know. <laughs> consider me in there. I mean, I, I don't I don't know how they could have emasculated Mike Canellis more aside from, you know, just stripping him down and, and pegging him, Becky pegging yeah. him or something like that. Yeah. I mean, she made him tap out very quickly to a sloppily applied disarm her. Um, yeah. And he Which, was just. By the way, is not supposed to be something that's okay by the way mixed tag matches work. Come on. I mean, you, I know, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm asking for logic in an insane world. Yeah. I mean, but, it, you know, it didn't, uh, didn't Ronnie uh, tap out Triple H at uh, at WrestleMania, or did she tap out Steph? I know uh, she she got in there with Triple H. Man, I can't remember. I can't remember. I'd have I think to. She I, may have tapped out Steph. Now that I'm thinking about it out loud, but yeah. um, either way, you know, whatever. It's, yeah, yeah. Tap out, tap out. Let's put and, it and, out. And the thing that I think is most interesting is. It's not like this was a few months ago with the revival where they're they're doing uh, angles where Dash Wilder's taint is on fire right. uh, because the world knows they want out. Yeah, these are people that they have said by way of contract, we're going to build the next half decade of our co- of our company around you. By the way. <laughs> Oh, I'm not sure that's exactly the mindset. I think the mindset is oh, we don't, want, we is, don't yeah. want you to go across the street, so we're right, just going to lock right. you down. I'm not but sure the, they're they're planning on building WrestleMania 2022 with Mike Canellis. Uh, I, I, I get it, but still, you're saying we are going to commit the next five years to right. you. So from the jump, you go, this guy is garbage and trash, and no one should like him. You know, it's Half an angle. A million dollars well spent. Sorry. When, when was the last? Years? When was the last time Mike Canellis was on Raw? Never. Oh, never. never. Like, yeah. Uh, there you uh, go. I, I, I think it, I think it was like his debut. No, that was SmackDown. <laughs> oh well, then never. Like, yeah, I don't think he's what? ever been on Raw. <laughs> there you go. We got the big leg up for Little Mike. 
Solid you know? work there. Yeah, um, and and apparently IRL, he's getting it done too, hitting that bullseye. Because uh, they just yeah. put, she just pooped one out like a year and a half ago or something. Yeah, and got yeah. her body back in ridiculous shape. Um, oh yeah. So man, uh, hey, you know what? I'm 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 I I applaud you, Canelli. Yes, yes. <laughs> brilliant work. Yeah, g- brilliant good work. on you. Get that paper. Uh, also, by the way, love Maria playing the, I didn't know I was pregnant. Like, I'm pretty sure, you know, you got came in. I'm pretty sure you knew. <laughs> well, like, that doesn't necessarily mean it, uh, swung its way up there. I don't, it's a dangerous know, journey, but, my friend. Haven't you ever I, seen a documentary in health class? That, that's true. But I, I don't think Mike's working the condom there. I, I, I think they pretty much knew what they were getting into. Well, literally. Funny, a funny side note about impregnation. Um, high school health class. Uh, I went to a, a private Catholic school, and you know they um, showed the you know they showed the the sex video. Sort yes, of thing. and in the case because it was a private Catholic school, it was all about the swan that brought you to your parents. <laughs> Not a lot of talk of contraception. However, um, there was yeah. uh, the teacher uh, Gene Hoffman. Uh, yeah. of, he was one of the you know he was. Uh, he was a, f- a fan favorite, a student favorite, because he really didn't have much of a filter, and he was like the track coach and, and great, yeah, yeah, yeah. great, great guy. Um, so whenever he showed the video, and it was a pretty um, graphic. Yeah, it was pretty graphic because the video was like an internal camera. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I vaguely recall stuff like this being on like TLC of, back. Yeah. In the day. Yeah, of of the uh, of the dickhead coming in and then releasing uh, millions yeah. and millions of little potential babies into 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 a lady, and he told a story. Uh, our teacher told a story of how back in the day they didn't have videos; they had like a slideshow. And oh. he told the story about how somebody stole the slides of the of the, uh, of the ejaculation. Uh, <laughs> just that part everything else was left in there but just that part the slides were gone so that was uh i don't know why that popped into my head but uh funny uh funny funny ejaculate story for this week's rough house evidently someone really just wanted that cum shot like that that was the slide they needed to finish their business and now somewhere that person is in a basement making bukkake videos yeah probably no doubt no doubt um (laughs) oh and by the way rough house listeners yes i'm aware it's not just one shot that does that like you got to put some effort uh but yeah i mean like they knew like if you're not (laughs) yeah they were probably trying they're like it could be like you know i want to i want a movie made of this whole scenario i want the the canela story you know even if it's uh on oceans 11 to their way into a five-year deal (laughs) oh my god yes they assembled a team Oh, including agents and uh, <laughs> oh god, Vince McMahon shows up in there. Asian acrobat from Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't I know what part he does, but if the kid comes out Asian, well, no. The Amazing Yang. Yes, exactly. There you go. Or is Jimmy Wang Yang? I don't know. It was Jimmy one of- Wang Yang plays the Amazing Yang. Perfect. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Oh, I forgot about Jimmy Wang Yang. Yeah. Good, good callback. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Wang Yang, by the way, one of Vince McMahon's favorite wrestlers. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, legitimately, uh, th- there was a story. So he got let go from WWE for, I don't know. I mean, he wasn't with WWE super long in yeah. either. Stint, but basically, he was with WWE for like a year. He got let go. Uh, he worked Ring of Honor in like the mid-2000s. And then he did uh, extra work. 
and Vince was proposing an angle for Jimmy Wang Yang and someone goes, well, he's not under contract. And he's like, what do you mean? And he got him hired that day. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So there you go. That's, that's one of Vinnie Mac's faves. Also, of course, big fan of our truth. That's not a, not a big shock at well, all. I mean, who is it? And well, let's, let's, tra- let's, uh, let's use that as the segue into the next segment of, uh, the continued excellence of the 24 seven title. Oh, God and damn. It's so good. I would say that sentence, but man, are they knocking that out of the park? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is um, the guys are being given carte blanche to work their own angles online. Yeah. Uh, Drake Maverick, who is now currently uh, as of this recording, because God knows something could change by the time this episode goes up. Yeah. Uh, he's currently the 24 seven champion. Uh, he's officially taken his wife on honeymoon uh, and continues to post photos from his honeymoon with the belt, including that mwah, brilliant oh, one at Universal okay. Studios with uh, the shark from Draws, uh, oh, Bruce, my. I believe yeah. is the yep. name. Bruce, and, uh, and, and him holding the title right over her face is <laughs> probably one of the greatest still photos in pro wrestling history. Yeah. It, it's, oh my gosh, it's so hysterical. I love it. Yeah, the, the fact that, you know, these guys are creative. Uh, so mm-hmm. let them, you know, translate uh, their ideas into something entertaining. And, you know, our truth, we've said it over the past couple of years, you know, he can still be very capable in the ring. But oh, man, yeah. as a character, I don't think, God, damn, that's my dryer. Oh, okay. I don't think anything. We're under attack. No, that's uh, that's the area <laughs> siren. Uh, Bruce Dickinson. No, uh, that's that's the dryer. But yeah, our uh, truth uh, just just knocking it out of the park. I'll let you take the reins while I go turn my dryer off. Yeah. Uh, so just a, a, another incredible angle uh, for for truth and and Drake Maverick as as they continue to make really kind of uh, chicken salad out of the chicken shit that was the twenty four seven title. I mean. I know we had a, a, a lot of back and forth and consideration as to whether uh, this is going to be another new hardcore title right. uh, situation where uh, a group of guys who are doing nothing else are really given the opportunity to shine or if we're just going to be something to have fun with for two weeks and forget about. So far, so good, though. Yeah, uh, it, It's given a lot of guys moments. I mean, I wouldn't have thought the Drake Maverick would still be a, a prime piece of the Raw show. And uh, you know what? At this rate, he may be... Uh, much like the Canelli, uh slowly working his wife into getting a performer's contract. Right. So, uh, yeah. Game, respect game, Spud. Yeah, good, good work there. Good old Spud. Now, I just need them to work EC3 into this angle a little bit, and then it will yes. be perfect. So, yes. you know, and I'm sure I'm sure Spud's working on a way because they're BFFs, and yeah. uh, I kind of love their Give relationship. EC3 something to do. Yeah. Anything. Aside from the look miserable on camera gimmick, <laughs> which you now he's really knocking it out of the park. So, oh, yeah, <laughs> 10 out of 10 on that. He's really, uh, uh really scoring four touchdowns in a single game from Polk High on that one. <laughs> nice pull. So, <laughs> the big angle of Raw this week. So, they're doubling down on Ricochet. Uh, apparently, this Good. is one of their, their moves to, to help pull a younger audience. Ricochet is going to be pushed as one of the top guys on the show. Flip totally Ricky. fine with it. I yeah. like it. I like it. Um, you know, excuse me, he, he's definitely one of those guys who, uh, when he is unleashed, uh, you put one of his matches in front of people who don't typically watch wrestling and their mind's blown. Uh, 
Um, so I, I think he's definitely the type of guy you get behind and what better way to get behind him than by putting him in a big hot main event angle as they're continuing the feud between him and AJ Styles, which culminated this week with the official reformation of the club and a big heel turn by AJ on Flippy Ricky. Yeah. Beat up Ricochet, uh, is, it will be the new mantra probably yeah. going forward and, and I'm here for it, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, and it's not something totally sprung out of left field the past couple of weeks. They've been mm -hmm. doing, um, you know, some interactions between AJ and Gallows and Anderson sort of thing to build towards this. And, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed uh shithead heel redneck AJ styles and, yes. you know, having him with some backup here. It gives Gallows and Anderson something to do on screen because allegedly they just signed it themselves another five-year uh, deal. Not sure what it's worth, but probably in that same ballpark if I had to yeah. guess. Yeah, if I heard it, it was a, a nice chunk of change for the Good Brothers. And, I mean, if there's two guys who deserve it, uh, it it's certainly them. They, they've, you know, put in the miles, they put in the effort, they put in the work, and... I know that their run in WWE so far has not been to the snuff that we wanted it to be, right. but um, they're great hands, great talent. And hopefully that means we're going to see more of them on screen, not just as AJ's flunkies, but, you know, actually doing things. Yeah. You know, I'm sure um, Carl Anderson's hot Asian wife has uh, expensive tastes or maybe well, I don't know. He's got four out. fucking kids. That's yeah. Now that's, that's really the big thing there. Yeah, man. These uh these I don't know what it is about taking bumps, but uh they make you hit the bullseye real good there. Yeah. So um we're a condom. Uh, <laughs> too many you know, kids in this world. You know what? The the pro wrestlers seem to have a pretty good hit to miss ratio when it comes to that, as do military people. I think mm. it's a whole when you're away longer, you okay. uh you know, you 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 aim better, I guess. Okay. Well, I mean, the military you're aiming most of the day, so you. That's know. true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um. So SmackDown this week, not quite as momentous a show as Raw. Uh, we still aren't in the Bischoff era yet. Uh, apparently, Bischoff uh, is moving to Connecticut this week. Right. So the following so, week will be the first real hands-on with uh with Eric. Right. But we did start to see a little bit of the uh, the non PG era start to slide in. I mean, we saw it on Monday, of course, the <laughs> aforementioned explosions, the holy shits, the cuck angle uh, as they built uh, Kingston against Joey Samoe. Uh, we actually got an unblurred full on middle finger on yeah. SmackDown. We got so, yeah. So, uh I, I don't know how the sponsors are going to take this, but there there is apparently an, an edict from the top down to say, start blurring those lines, start pushing yeah. that envelope again. Um, They're edging I'm, the show. <laughs> they are edging the show. Uh, and, it's a very sexy show we got going on today. Yeah. Yes, very sexy. It's a very pent up, it's a pent up house. That's what it is. Pent up Pentagon house. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, uh, Chris, what do you think about them sort of going back to that well, that attitude-ish well? What, well what, do you, what do you think? Well, I mean, you always hear, and this is, you know, a favorite in the in Smart Twitter, bring back the attitude era, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, and we've gone on record many times saying the majority of the shit that happened in that era was god-awful. Um, mm. But, you know, they have, huh, I don't know if that, it, it could be argued, roster roster wise that now they have a better roster back then they certainly had more stars back sure. then 
now they have more potential stars and an all around a better roster. The mid card is way better. The undercard is even way better than it was back then. So if you take the amount of talent that they have right now and, you know, give them a little bit more, um, leeway to, 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 like you said, blur the lines and go to the edge a little bit, maybe once in a while, go over the edge. Uh, yeah. Well, over the edge 1998 we don't need that yeah, um, no, 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 that, no 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 more no more ceiling drops please yeah. um but uh i feel like you know in what they're trying to accomplish in gaining new younger fans i feel like it could work because you know i was reading some of uncle dave and uncle dave was talking about how uh there's a lack of new fans in wwe he uh-huh. he said something along the lines of us people like us who watched uh pro wrestling back in the attitude era are the ones keeping wwe afloat so right. we're, to, we're to blame essentially right, right so uh but i also think a lot of this is cyclical because you know as uh people of our generation get older and mm-hmm. have kids the majority of people of our age will expose our children to pro wrestling so you know it, it'll be a, a cyclical sort of boom in the same way that you know my grandfather got me into wrestling and and, right. and stuff like that so um but until that happens uh until you know our kids our generation's kids have enough disposable income to to drop 30 bucks for uh, a wwe t-shirt um they need to to find a way to expose themselves to this new audience and you know what it worked a little bit uh over the prior year with gaining young female uh, an, a young female audience with ronda rousey right. uh, that was a proven success so if they think that you know putting a little edge to the show is going to help bring in the the teenage boys then you know what give it a whirl uh i think there's a solid chance it may happen yeah i i, I definitely think that there's something to it um you know I, I think also this is a um, uh, it, it, the the uh, non PG era is basically a condiment which should be used sparingly. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you don't want to absolutely saturate the show with edginess because then it just feels very try hard. Uh, but if you do it in ways that sort of naturally extend the show i i think it's fine you know i i'm i'm thinking more like the the edginess of a steve austin versus you know may young giving birth to a hand yeah we don't know. uh or or mark henry it's, fu- it's funny how many of these uh involve mark henry mark henry uh uh making out with a transgender person you know things like that where uh I, I, you get you gotta do it less for shock and more for uh what makes sense to the build um, I don't know that WWE is capable of that level of nuance, but I'm hoping that they are. And I'm, I'm hoping that this does give the shot in the arm that it needs, uh, because right now both shows need it. I mean, you look at the ratings, Hey, there was a bump this week. Yeah. That's, that's good stuff. Um, that's a good sign. Uh, you look at the attendance for the show on Monday, it was actually really strong. Um, so far so good but i mean we're a week into this new era of wwe and uh i think despite what everyone probably wants this is a marathon not a race and they've got to just sort of sink in for the long haul marathon not a sprint is that what you um, mean? sorry yes marathon <laughs> not a sprint uh apologies, apologies. yeah yeah but I, yeah. I agree with you, though. So, yeah, you know, and 
<clears throat> just, just the little pepperings. It wasn't like you said, it wasn't the full show on Monday. Wasn't, you know, balls out craziness, explosions, stuff like that. But it was, right. you know, it was peppered in. It felt fresh. And as, as long as they continue to use it as accents and not the full basis of the show, um, you know, that's kind of where the key to success lies. And, you know, Heyman has always been one to push new talent, which bodes well for the mid and undercard people there now. Ricochet, as we discussed, being one to to get an early um, uh, push from that. He yeah. brought up the street profits. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. Like, I'm excited for them as talent i think it's really cool that they're gonna get that look on the main stage especially fucking angelo dawkins jesus christ he's needed this um but uh i i think it's a little unfortunate that hey here's an nxt tag team champion duo whoop just pull them out and send them up well yeah and you know as long as they it, it doesn't happened like it happened with the viking raiders and more like it happened with kevin owens when kevin owens came up he was still nxt champion he brought the championship into raw and he beat up john cena um so you know nxt or street profits are going to continue to work and tour in nxt but they're also going to show up to monday tv so as long as they you know bring those nxt tag titles with them and you know maybe just you know be good and are able to go do their thing in the ring and have good tag team matches it's it's really not that hard um but you know wwe tends to overcomplicate things um unfortunately true you know as as much as i love the street profits it is i agree with you it is kind of a questionable choice like they just got those tag titles in nxc let them have some fun and ride with it a little bit but also if you want to freshen up your program a exciting fun you know uh tag team of color is a really good way to to get totally show so you know i i I look at it with with cautious optimism hopefully Mm -hmm. they're able to pull this off and it doesn't you know with nxc being taped so far in advance i'm 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 a little worried with the continuity issues there but uh but yeah you know i'm I'm happy for the guys and you know i'm happy that paul sees their potential uh as as we all do so Mm -hmm. you know um like i said i I, I'm, i'm cautiously optimistic yeah, we've said for some time Montez Ford is is just like a can't miss prospect. Sure, yeah. To see him get this, you know, high level shot. I mean, that's very exciting. And and I hope that uh hope that they see in that duo what we've seen for some time. Yeah. Um it's just the timing is a little suspect. Um anyway, uh continuing on with uh the, the world of wrestling this week. Uh did you see the Roman Reigns comments about AEW this week? Uh, about how they're not even close to being in the league as a competitor. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I, I have the full quote here. Um, <clears throat> I'll just say this. It's all so new, and it, w- uh, it was what it was with Ambrose leaving and popping up over there. Competition? No, there's no competition. WWE, we know exactly what we're doing. We have the best talent in the world. There's no comparing. I say that with firm confidence all the way from the top to the very bottom. We are world class. Uh, He added, is it another option? Sure. For wrestlers around the world and in the locker room, AEW is another option and another place to get a check. I'm never against optimism, but I think you have foolish thoughts if you really think there's a comparison or actual competition. Just an option, which isn't a bad thing. Well, I mean, as of right now, yeah, because there's no weekly TV show. (laughs) Right, right. I, I, I will say this, though. Seth, take notes. That's how exactly you respond to those sort of things. Um, 
I I think it's an even-handed response. Uh, and as a company guy, yeah, you got to feel like your product is sure. the best in the world. Um, I I think his use of describing them as an option, not competition, is interesting, uh, especially because, well, Ring of Honor has never been talked about like that. Right. Impact has never been talked about like that. Like yeah. they don't even, they never talked about those guys. Uh, so it's interesting that they're like, no, they're not competition when you just said them by name, which I felt like right. was an edict of something that they couldn't do. Um, True. but yeah, uh, I, I, I think he's got a good head on his shoulders about it. Um, which was nice to see, but, uh, it, it is going to be interesting come October. Cause it sounds like it's going to be the same week that, uh, SmackDown goes on Fox. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting come October to see how those two play out and play off against each other. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, you know, uh, we've we've said many a time how exciting it is in pro wrestling right now to have so many viable options and so much talent out there. Um, so so yeah, you know, maybe I'd, I'd like to ask Roman Reigns this again come you know uh, early December. See yeah. how yeah. how we feel about things. and you know, look. AEW could totally flop. There's a very solid possibility of that happening. We are ourselves are excited for the product and the, the you know, excited for the possibility of this other option. And we like the talent there and we kind of like, you know, the majority of what they've put, uh, put out so far. So we, we're excited for it, but you know, there's a solid possibility. This could shit the bed and we all look like idiots and Roman yeah. was right. So, you know, it's time will tell. Yeah, yeah, we, we shall see. Uh, so speaking of other options going on in the U.S., let's just go ahead and get into it, Chris. Uh, last night, we had the official kickoff of G1 Climax 29, the hardest five weeks in professional wrestling for uh, 20 unique talents as New Japan Pro Wrestling does their annual round-robin tournament in two different blocks. Um Right there, Dallas, Texas, aired live on Access TV in the States. And uh, you know what? The arena was not the best choice. Um, Way too big a room. Yeah, uh, they were uh, at the uh, American Airlines Arena uh, in Dallas, Texas, which many believe was a sweetheart deal via Mark Cuban, who owns Access TV and is uh, a big fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, but they drew just about 5,000 in a 15,000 seat building. And let me tell you, that did not look good on TV. It didn't. They had, you know, and the way they arranged the people didn't help. They blocked off. First of all, it looked like the stage had, you know, been moved uh, forward to only have, you know, not the full length of the arena. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like the stage wasn't yeah. dead set of the floor. It was moved no. toward, which is, you know, something that they do in venues the, for low selling shows. I've seen it for, right, for right. concerts, you know, at the, at the chicken box, our local shitty venue in Baltimore, where <laughs> you know, the stage is moved real far in to make it give you the illusion that it's packed. Right. But meanwhile, half the arena is behind a, a black curtain. And speaking of black curtain, there was a huge black curtain hanging there and it just, it looked like a low rent presentation for, you know, something that, that they were really hyping up. Um, you know, the first uh, night of G1, the first time G1 was ever in the U.S., uh, you know, the continuation of the story, Tanahashi Okada feud, first time ever in the U.S. Mm -hmm. A lot of things were happening, but it just seemed low rent. And I, I, I don't know, you know, it, 
Could they have rented some screens to put up? Maybe it just, it didn't seem to have, and I wasn't expecting a full wrestle kingdom production, right, right? but just something, something a little more than what we got. It felt, yeah. you know, I, 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 especially when you compare it to the presentation of the G one special shows in the U S that they've yeah. done in the past, the, um, uh, what was it? The, uh, the show, uh, in San Francisco that they did, um, yeah, the, the, the pyramid show, the Cal Palace show, like the, the arena setup was not very flattering. Yeah. Um, but I will give credit where credit is due. That was a hot crowd yep. who was excited to see New Japan Pro Wrestling. That was excited for every match. And the show itself, front to back, regardless of what the visual aspect of it was. Yeah. The show itself delivered in spades. It was a great kickoff to the G1. It was a really fun show. I mean, even the undercard tag matches had, you know, uh, they were watch. You know, not. I don't want to say watchable because that sounds shitty, but they were they were good and they teased things to come because the undercard tag matches were people that are in the B block of yeah. uh, G1, whereas the actual tournament matches were all A block matches of the night. So, you know, you got, you got, uh, you know, especially with, um, with Cobb and Ishii, you really got some, uh, some inklings as, as to what's going to come later on throughout this five week tournament. Yeah. So let's just go ahead and jump into it. Show kicked off with the IWGP heavyweight champions, Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa from the bullet club going against the basically junior tag aces for Pongi three K show and yo, uh, this was a, a, just a fast fun opener. Uh, didn't go super long and understandably the heavyweights went over on the junior heavyweights. But I mean, a lot of things that you can always say about these teams remain true show and yo looked like future stars uh the crowd was super into them uh the tongans looked really good uh fucking tom and tonga with that gun stun i i kept rambling on about it all night to you yeah. just the stank he puts on it it's so good yeah, it's just it's it's great. And uh, I, I thought it was a really good opener. You gave basically the crowd two teams of guys that they like. Uh, crowd was hyped. Match was exactly what it needed to be. Just fast, furious fun. And, and it, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, no, nothing really uh, more to say. I like, you know, I like um, showing you and, and the Tongans. I've really they've really grown on me over the past year. Mm -hmm. um, I think having so much talent leave the bullet club has really given them the opportunity to step forward and be, you know, face forward in the BC. And then, you yeah. know, as the gorillas of destiny are just, uh, you know, just, just out there smanging it. So uh, I'm into it. Then we rolled into the first, basically uh, B block preview tag as it was Jeff Cobb and Ren Narita against Tamahiro Ishii and Shota Amino. So you got the big, big boys yeah. and the young lions going one-on-one -on -one and, Holy shit. Every time Ishii and Cobb were in there, it fucking ruled. I mean, yeah. the young lions did a lot with a little, uh, sure. they, they looked really great. Their, their fundamentals are so crisp and so good, but this match just made you froth at the mouth for Ishii Cobb next weekend. Yeah, it, it's got that vibe of like a of, of Ishii and Suzuki, where these two guys are just going to beat the shit out of each other for our entertainment for twenty five minutes. And I'm yeah. I'm very much excited to watch that. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing that I think was really impressive about the match was how both teams got so much crowd reaction. They got a lot out of a little, uh, especially with Narita and Amino. I mean, I I think it was uh, uh, Amino who did the vertical suplex on Jeff Cobb. 
and yeah. the crowd lost their shit on a vertical suplex. <laughs> like, I don't know how that works in 2019, but it did. Yeah. Uh, just the, the fundamentals of that match were so sound and it, it, it just was just an enjoyable little battle between two teams. It was great. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, a, a horse fight and a, you know, and a Asian twink fight together. And yes. It, yes. It, it worked out really well. Everybody, everybody uh, came out looking good. And I believe who got the, who got the, win? Uh, it was uh, Cobb and uh, Narita. Cobb got and, uh, uh, Umino. Yeah, after the tour of the islands, that's right. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they, they pushed uh Ishii to the outside, yeah, and then they had a nice little pull apart brawl with Cobb and Ishii. Yeah. Cobb got some color from his nose, yeah, super uh, into it, man. Yeah, yeah, Balls so pull apart. I'm, I'm, I'm pants are off. Let's go, yeah, yeah, can't wait for next weekend. Uh, then we had probably the one miss of the show <laughs> uh, as uh, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi went against Jay White and Chase Owens. I even forgot this happened until you just yeah. said it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yoshihashi is a zero. Goto is so wishy-washy. Um, basically, Jay White had to work for four in this match. He did. He did. Chase Owens looks like he hasn't seen a gym in uh, a decade. Yeah. Uh, and I you know what good for him for sticking around and keeping a job yeah know? yeah i i mean i don't get it he's no crown jewel um but uh but you know i do you know i don't know if it's if it's i feel bad for jay white but dude was you know headlining uh you know big shows not that long ago and here he is on the on the prelim tag is jay white in the g1 he's he in the block He's in okay. B block and his first match is against Goto. So that's okay. why so that's why that happened. Yeah. Okay. So I really, you know, I, I really need Jay White to, you know, really have some marquee matches. You know, obviously he's gonna fight everybody in the block, but I really, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing him get back in there and and get his shit in because you know, he was a guy. You know, I thought about this this morning when I went back and watched the Osprey Robbie Eagles match that we were talking about last night. Yeah. You know, when you log into New Japan World, there's four guys on the screen. It's, yep. uh, it's, it's Okada, it's Tanahashi, it's Naito, and it's Jay White. So mm -hmm. that right there tells you how much stock they put in this guy. And, you know, yeah. obviously, Gato wouldn't be uh, palling around with him otherwise. Um, I mean, so, Jay White yeah. is a really talented worker. Um, prior to the G1 show, Access was running a marathon of New Japan yeah. shows from throughout the year. And there Heavy were. Marathon. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and there were uh, quite a few Jay White spotlight matches in the mix there. And he. I, I think the thing that is so interesting about Jay White is, again, thinking about 2019, he is a full on heel. Yeah. People boo him. They hate him. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, he's also a really smart, competent worker. He doesn't do flashy moves. He doesn't do things that, that would get him cheered despite being the heel. Um, and also, I don't know if you saw the promo he cut after the one Australia show. He's becoming a fire promo. Uh, okay. He cut a promo uh, about Robbie Eagles leaving, uh, leaving the oh. BC. And... Uh, it's just a great promo. It's on New Japan's YouTube if you haven't checked it out. And okay. I mean, he has everything to be a star, and he's still really young. I want to say he's like 24, 25 yeah, years he's old. Super young. 
Yeah. Um, so the beard, the beard helps the edge a little bit too. Yes. The beard was a very smart move. It also yeah. makes him look less like Ted Cruz, even though Ted Cruz has a beard now. Um, <laughs> I don't like these parallels between Jay White and Ted Cruz. <laughs> I'm just saying they, they look weirdly similar. Um, but uh, to, to get what I was saying, I think Jay White is a stellar talent that sometimes gets lost in the mix because of when and how he gets paired up with people. I mean, I'm looking forward to him against uh, Naito. I'm looking forward to him against uh, Moxley, Um, you know, uh, him against Cobb, him against Ishii. Like there, there's definitely some matches coming down the pike in the G1 that are going to be strong. But I mean, Goto is as interesting as dishwater for me. So (laughs) whatever. Yeah, I needed you to give me the backstories on both uh, Yoshihashi and Goto because yeah, they they haven't really been featured much since I started watching New Japan regularly. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, they lived up to the way I described them, didn't they? Story on both counts. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. Then we had a really fun six man tag: Toriano, Juice, Juice Robinson, and Jushin Liger against Lij team of Tetsuya Naito, Shingo Takagi, and Fall Guy Bushi. I'm boosty, baby. Yeah, no, uh, you know, I'll always pop for Liger, and he's he's going on his uh, his farewell tour, and he got a, one of the bigger pops of the nights uh, there as well. So definitely showed you that the people who went to the show were familiar with the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but yeah, you know, uh, Yano coming out spitting uh, curry powder in people's faces was was great, um, and we definitely got uh, as you called him house show Nido. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rolled out wearing his T-shirt, yeah. Uh, Took it off, yeah. Uh, I, and look, I get it. It was a six-man tag, and it was really just to build to you know the the G one stuff. We we didn't need to have Worker Nido out there. Um, it was it was a fun tag. Shigo looked like a fucking beast, which is exactly what he needed to do heading oh, yeah. into his first G one. Uh, and Yano's antics were a fucking ten. Uh, and of course, uh, Yano actually ended up uh, getting the pin on Bushi, which was fucking wild. Yeah, Fall Guy Bushi. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. He lives up lives up to the name. I don't remember the last time I ever saw Bushi win a match. Um, it's been quite some time. Yeah, yeah. You know when he's out there, like okay. I, I thought for maybe a second we'd get Fall Guy Yano there, um, but uh, but nope, 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 nope. Just yeah. a lot of notes there. Not so much. Uh, and then uh, a big surprise announcement in the middle of the show, right before we got into the G1 A Block matches. Uh, New Japan doing a U.S. tour in the fall, coming over to the East Coast for Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Uh, mm-hmm. September 27th, Friday night, they're going to be in Lowell, Massachusetts. They called it Boston, but apparently it's like 40 minutes away from Boston. Right, right, right. Um, then on Saturday the 28th, they're going to the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York. And mm-hmm. Sunday the 29th, they're coming to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the 2300 Arena, the former ECW Arena. Yeah. Uh, your boys are hyped for this, folks. Oh, yeah, brother. Um, <laughs> I feel like tickets for this, uh, for all three of these shows, are just going to go up in flames super fast. Um, yeah, I hope, I'm hoping it's not an all out situation where, where we're unable to secure them, but yeah, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. We will see what happens. We're going to try, uh, especially for the, uh, the Saturday night show in New York and the Sunday afternoon show in Philadelphia. Uh, what's particularly interesting though, given the, uh, political landscape of wrestling, right? Is these three shows do not involve oh. Ring of Honor in 
any way, shape, or form. Yep, these are straight New Japan shows with uh, with uh, the them saying that there's going to be top New Japan talent there, and you know Okada was on the promos, so you know you're you're expecting uh, you know big big time talent there at the end of September. So, you know, I, at this point, um, I'm not sure when the contract with Ring of Honor is officially up for the partnership, but uh, the no. fact that they're going out there or for a three show run on the East coast on their own, definitely, uh, uh, you know, gives you an idea of where that, uh, partnership's going in the future. Yeah. And, and definitely worth keeping an eye on how tickets do for New York because Hammerstein ballroom, that's where ring of honor has basically hung their hat in New York for the past few years. They got the Manhattan mayhem show coming up, uh, this summer there, they had to close off the balconies because tickets aren't moving. Yeah. And uh, the, in fact, that's where Final Battle was supposed to be. And news came out this week that they would be moving Final Battle to Baltimore. Cool for us, yeah. but not such a great sign for Ring of Honor that that you know what had been like their hallowed hall is uh, not working for them. So if oh. New Japan can come in, sell those tickets, I mean, that's uh, another uh, strike against Ring of Honor. And it, it, what's interesting to me is that, you know, it costs uh, New Japan a lot of money to fly all that talent, you know, the mm -hmm. opposite end of the world. So, yeah. you know, the fact that they're doing these smaller venues really, you know, lets me think they're doubling down on the, on this U.S. expansion. I mean, they're announcing a lot of U.S. shows. They have shows coming up, um, you know, I think they're doing like North Carolina or something. Or uh, well, was bunch of so, new japan people on a north carolina it, show. It, it's about the new japan people on the north carolina show that's okay. while people are in town for the super j cup three west coast shows coming up in august yeah so they, they got the super j cup shows in august they've got this east coast tour they've got the uh, at the end of august they've got the london show um at the end of the uh, australia shows they said they'd come back hell at the end of this show uh they said they'd be coming back to dallas one day so yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting. I know that I've seen some speculation because next summer the Olympics are in Tokyo during right. G1 season. I've mm. seen some speculation that maybe the G1 won't entirely be in Japan this year or, or next year rather. So, um, we, you know, uh, game respect game. New Japan is definitely, uh, you know, they, they aren't going hole in the hog here, but they're jumping in the water they're seeing what they can do and um i never thought i'd see the day where you know a japanese wrestling company would expand this much you know internationally well you know it, now is the time to do it oh uh, yeah you know they have they have the talent they have buzz you know let, let's they have a you know a businessman in charge of yeah. uh of international expansion so you know let, let let's make this shit happen and you know uh it and I've, I've meant to talk about this a couple of weeks ago uh, when I was watching Best of the Super Juniors. Um, and one of the things about New Japan, and we'll get back to the, the match by match recap, but one of the yes. things that makes me enjoy it even more is that any venue that they go to has yes. uh, a unique setup. Yes. Whereas, you know, any Raw you go to looks exactly the same. And that may change this week after uh, Braun th threw Lashley through the thing. Um, but, you know, any SmackDown looks the same. And they have their house show set up, too. It's just all so cut and paste, uh, you know, ordinary stuff. Yeah, um, you, you look at any photo from any Raw, it looks like it's in the same building, even though it's not. Right. Yeah. The only thing that may set it apart is, you know, I can always tell it's at the chicken box in Baltimore because one, it's an ancient shit venue uh, and it doesn't have video screens going across the, uh, the mezzanine. Right. 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 
all modern arenas do, and we're stuck in 1935 with our shitty arena here. Hey, hey, uh, they, they they continue to do studies as to whether or not it would be worthwhile to build a new arena. <laughs> the, the amount of money they've sent, spent on studies could have built a goddamn new arena at this point. Yeah. Uh, just destroy, you know, I don't know, whatever. Knock down a couple blocks, a uh, couple west of there. You hey, know, give it right. time. Baltimore will destroy its own series of blocks, and they can put an arena there. And we're well on our way there. Uh, but yeah, the, the, you know, the different setups, whether it's, you know, at, uh, at Osaka Joe Hall or Kurikin or, or even some of the smaller places where they, where they do these tours, you know, I like, uh, it looked like one was at a convention center where they, you know, they were like people coming down escalators as, right, right, uh, right. as they were making their entrance to the ring. And I, I like that. I like that different sort of feel um, to each show. And that's just, you know, it's just something even the show last night, you know, as we mentioned, it didn't look packed, but it had a different feel to it. And you, you could tell how big that arena was. It was oh, a, man. it was a massive fucking arena. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, it it'll be interesting to see if if that's how it continues that 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 they start building it out and they start getting these unique buildings and they start you know building basically a touring schedule this idea of you know uh the east coast venues are this the west coast venues are that they you know go here this time of year they go there that time of year right. and so on and so forth um just speaking about international expansion and again we will get back to the g1 recap in a moment Interesting note from this week, uh, basically the number two promotion uh, or one of the number two promotions in Japan, Dragon Gate is going to have uh, English commentary on their streaming service, starting okay. with their big July uh, Kobe Hall show. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if if it's a one off. Let's see what happens thing or if, you know, uh, we could see Dragon Gate try to expand internationally again. Just kind of interesting. Um, so. First half of the show was all tag matches. They split it up in the middle with the U.S. touring announcement. Then we got nothing but the A block matches to wrap up the show. And holy shit, did it start off with a bang. If you had told me that in retrospect, one of the best matches of the night was going to be Will Ospreay and Lance fucking Archer, I would have thought you were crazy. But this match was a banger and a half. Holy fuck. Willie Ospreay came out hot and uh, Lance Archer just looked like a fucking beast. Uh, I was, I was super into it. There were, there were crazy spots and near falls and death defying um, maneuvers throughout. And, you know, Lance Archer is one of those guys that I am not super familiar with because, you know, again, he hasn't been around in a bit since I've been watching on the reg. Mm -hmm. Um, So I needed a little backstory uh, on him, but dude, came out looking like a, a million bucks hungry and angry and ready to just plow through everybody in the a block and he started it with a shocking uh up i'd call it an upset win yeah. over over will osprey here yeah i i didn't think i mean in retrospect it's like oh yeah the the junior heavyweight having his first match in the g1 losing makes sense it's it's logical um but uh both guys looked like a million dollars in this. I mean, Osprey came out ha- hot with all the flippy dudes. He got a flash pin early on, which I would have totally bought as the finish. Yeah. Uh, and then he basically just got decimated for the second half of the match, including one of the craziest moments of the night where Osprey did a flying space tiger drop to the floor. He got caught by Archer, and Archer immediately picks him up and choke slams him through a table. And one of the prettiest slash most brutal looking 
choke slammed through a table I've ever seen. Not only that, it was over a barricade. On yes, that's true. Well. That's true. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> Oh. Uh, that was a great moment and yeah you know like you said in retrospect you know osprey losing does make sense he's he's the guy going from junior to heavy but you know he also had a shitload of momentum going for him being the guy that you know gave shingo takagi his first pin uh you know pin loss in in new japan and winning the uh the best of the super juniors and winning the title like all you know a lot going for for willie osprey right there but you know it, it does make sense that you know the story for him going into this tournament is you know is he ready to go heavy you know he, he had trouble getting Lance Archer up for the Stormbreaker, and that's probably going to be an issue with yeah. some of these other guys yeah. in the A block as well. So you know, there's there's a a lot to be told there. Um, but I I thought you know I was sure the momentum would keep carrying them through, and I you know I wasn't uh, thinking that they'd make uh, Lance Archer such a such a shit shit kicker in this. But that's where it looks like it's going, and hey, it's going to lead to better matches down the line. So yeah. I'm for it. And honestly, you tell me right now there's a rematch of them, you know, post G1. I'm there. I'm into yeah. it. Um, so the A block matches continued as we got. Uh, it wasn't a bad match by any means, but the lesser of the the uh, five we had here yeah. uh, as it was evil against bad luck. Follet. Um It was fine. Uh, you know, it was two big, big boys beating the shit out of each other. There was some weapons based shenaniganry, uh, yeah. and the weirdness of uh, evil working white meat baby face again. Yeah. Uh, crowd was into it, props to them, but uh, it really didn't do much for me. No, fell flat overall. Um, you know. Fale is kind of limited in what he's able to able to do in there. But, you know, as a big man, you know, I'm not expecting him to do, you know, corkscrew moonsaults and shit like that. That'd but be it, dope, though, if he wants it, to try. <laughs> Just don't land on your fucking neck. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it, it was fine. It, like you said, it was definitely the, the least entertaining of the five G1 matches there. Yeah. Fale went over, which definitely surprised me. Uh, and if you were following our Twitter throughout the night, um, yeah, we weren't great on the pickums. Um, no. <laughs> so then we had uh, another surprise banger of a match. I mean, on paper, it sounded like it was going to be good, but I didn't know uh, that it was going to be this good. Yeah. yeah. So now and Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr., I don't know how he does it. We talked uh, earlier on about the uh, the Young Lions, Ishii, Cobb tag match, uh, about how they got a lot out of a little. How Zack Sabre works such a safe submission-based style and draws an audience in as much as he does and has just these, I mean, Sonata was game, had off yeah. reversals, had, you know, really cool variances of, of you know, different submission holds of his own and, and what have you. How they make that work is beyond me, because on paper, it seems like the type of thing that should put an audience, you know, to sleep. But it, I think it's the character work that really, really yeah. makes it worth something you don't want to take your eyes off of. You know, yeah. he's such such a shithead prick yeah. um yeah. you, you want to watch and see him get slapped in the face and you know he, he's super innovative in his um in his submissions and transitions and uh all, he's he's an entertaining guy to watch um if you're into that sort of thing but i know it's not every every you know a lot of people watch for the flippy doos and i love me some flippy doos but i also yeah. like you know uh, a, a lot of reversals and, and joint manipulations and stuff like that and he is uh he's the king of that right now so uh so yeah and he 
took the L here. So yeah. now I got uh, got a got a quick uh, three count on him. Yeah, yeah, and and it tied into the whole concept of the match. It was reversals and reversals, reversals. Yeah. Sonata was the guy who got lucky and held on for a reversal for three seconds. Like that, that's what it was. Um, you know, Sonata is definitely a guy who I feel like is on that verge of breaking out and being a top guy. Um, he at times, and you can see it even during this match, he's not a hundred percent in it. You know, in it to win it, which is unfortunate. Um but he really is a talent when he wants to be. He kind of reminds me of Randy Orton in that way, where like Orton can be, you know, a, a absolute world beater of a worker, but there are days where he's like, eh, whatever. Yeah. And you don't know which one you're going to get. Sonata can be that way. And, and like I said, in that match, there were moments where it's like, oh, well, there's lazy Sonata. Like there was like a weird transition into the corner where it looked like he just kind of walked over there. And yeah, uh, but I still dug that match fucking lot um and zsj again who would have thought the the gangly looking submission dude would be like a top new japan star but here we are yeah and he had in his post show or post match uh, (laughs) he had one of the greatest lines i ever heard saying that uh performing a technical wrestling match in front of a u.s crowd is like reading shakespeare to a dog bless (laughs) you zsj that is a 10 out of 10 i hate you and i love you simultaneously well done top marks Uh, that reminds me i saw some people online who were super butthurt about that comment congratulations (laughs) you're garbage people yeah yeah (laughs) oh no the the heel said something that made you mad oh no oh my stars and garters um another fucking banger though followed it up yes 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 as uh our boy abushi went one-on-one with the returning kenta kenta came out first huge reaction from the Dallas crowd. Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, you know, and you got to imagine a lot of that has to do with his WWE, uh, experiences. Um, you know, definitely got a lot more name recognition from that than, you know, anywhere else I'd say is a safe bet. Um, Kota Ibushi certainly got a massive pop on his own. And really this was the Kenta show. Um, Ibushi did, he probably sold 80% of the match. Um, and, and Kenta came out, uh, you know, on top hitting a GD GTS, the old, uh, the old go to sleep, uh, you know, Ibushi kind of took it on the, on the inner arm, uh, on the one replay. Yeah. uh, The the one replay gave it absolutely, you know, no love the, when watching it live, the angle they had it from live looked like Kenta fucking murdered him. Yeah. A lot of that was, you know, she just sold the shit out of it as he's wanting to do. Um, But yeah, the, the match was, I feel like, just what Kenta needed mm-hmm. uh, to and tr- uh, kind of reestablish his dominance in a Japanese-style uh, wrestling match. And and he did so. I mean, he he manhandled Kota's beautiful face throughout the majority of the match. I mean, Kota got some shit in, too. Yeah. Uh, and some fun reversals in this one as well, but some, some, some really dickish uh, heel kick moves from ooh, Kenta, like, hunted off on uh on coda's immaculate pecs it was yeah uh, yeah it, it was wild like if your exposure to kenta was only his run as hideo atami like this yeah. felt like an entirely different dude yeah uh as as a guy who remembered kenta from his early noah days and the his guest appearances in ring of honor that sort of thing it, it was like he you know he resurrected kenta proper and yeah. 
uh, I'm real stoked to see this guy in the G1, and I'm I'm stoked to see this guy back in wrestling. I mean, he's such a smug prick. I mean, we were talking about ZSJ being a smug prick. This is a different level, like yeah. just just like brushing his boot against uh, Abushi's face and just being a total asshole. It was awesome. He slapped I, the shit out of him, left a handprint on oh, his own yeah. immaculate face. Yes, yes, he did. And and props to that match because it felt like a fight. It felt like two dudes just beating the fuck out of each other for our entertainment. Kota Bushi's not one to say, why don't you pull that punch a little bit? He, yeah, yeah. He's all about putting himself in harm himself in harm's way. And boy did he. And uh yeah, it was it was a stellar match. It made me, you know, like you said, it was kind of a make or break match for Kenta and his future. And I feel like, you know, it made it. So yeah. uh, maybe we're looking forward to, you know, seeing him go against the rest of these guys in the A block. Yeah. Uh, and Kenta went over, which uh, I, I still think Abushi's going to win G1 full stop, but it was the right call to put Kenta over on his first night because, you know, you have to establish him as a threat. Yeah. Uh, I feel like maybe we get through that rematch in the finals of the, uh, the A block. Fuck yeah. I'm into that. Yeah. I am into that. Uh, so main event of the evening for the first time on US soil, only the 14th singles match between these guys over the past seven years. Yeah. Uh, it was Kazuchika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi, the feud of the generation made its way to Dallas. And this was something special, Chris. I mean, from the jump, Crowd was stoked for the entrances. Crowd was stoked to be there for this. And that first minute, I mean, if you watch nothing else from this show, watch the opening of this match because it was really something special. The crowd was just so hyped for being there to see these guys. And it didn't feel like, you know, the traditional wrestling, this is awesome, both these guys yeah. type, type, you know, trying to get themselves over people were hyped people were excited and yeah i know they drew five thousand in a fifteen thousand building it felt like a big deal regardless there was there was gravity to the to the to the situation you know it yeah. felt like a main event it felt like you know uh not to <laughs> it was a wrestlemania worthy match yes you know it was a wrestle kingdom worthy match you know and it it, it just goes to show you how you know how different uh wwe and new japan are because you know i'm sure there's probably been a few more matches between a john cena and a randy orton but then you yeah. on the flip side of the coin you've got an okada and a tanahashi and it just yeah. it's the difference in philosophies of how they present pro wrestling yeah in, in these feuds whereas if they announced you know even a couple years ago john cena versus randy orton we're like oh fuck again yeah. Meanwhile, New Japan says we're going to do Tanahashi and Okada uh, to main event the first night of G1 2019. We're like, fuck yes. Yeah. You know, it, it's just a, it's just a difference in 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 just how things are presented and how you know they see pro wrestling and and Tanahashi and Okada are just you know two of the all time greats. Uh, you know, which for Okada is, is still kind of crazy. Cause he just turned what 31, 32 or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, the ACE Tanahashi has been doing it for, for a number of years, but their story that has spanned what? 10 years, seven probably years, seven, seven years. years close. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that, that's that's really fantastic. crazy. 14, one-on-one matches over seven years, two one-on-one matches a year average. Yeah. And 
it feel it feels so fresh it feels so unique each one good in their own way this was probably you know if if you're gonna want to go back and watch some of the different ones it's probably one of the lesser ones because this was more like we're gonna do the greatest hits for a u.s crowd um but it was still a really fun really solid match um great spots great reversals both yeah. guys had each other scouted tanahashi injured or not was it's like yeah, I'm doing high five flows. I'm I'm yeah. I'm landing directly on Okada's knees. I'm <laughs> I I'm eating all of the rainmakers that I can. Uh Okada came off like one of the greatest in the world, which you know, yeah. let's be honest, he is. Uh crowd was super into it. I mean, it was just the perfect uh perfect main event for the first night perfect cap on a great night of professional wrestling okada goes over which officially makes it six wins okada six wins tanahashi and two draws which uh mwah, that's just that's good stuff right there that's such good shit <laughs> <laughs> but it is and it was you know it was it was a fun show you know it kind of I'm trying to think of it, uh, it, it as if this was the first time, if this was my first time watching New Japan, you know, yeah. I was like, oh, you know, flipping through the channels, watching Sammy Hagar chill out with fucking Guy Fieri. And I'm like, oh, what's this? What's this New Japan stuff? Let me check this out. And yeah. if I sat and watched the whole show, you know, obviously, you know, uh, being his uh, having a history as a wrestling fan helps. Yeah. But I'm like, OK, I'm, I'm probably going to watch more of this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you have to be a wrestling fan to appreciate New Japan full stop. I, I don't think it's something that can convert. And, and hey, I'd love to be wrong, but I don't think it's something that can convert uh, a non-fan into a fan. As it were, Marty, yesterday at a cookout, uh, <laughs> I did just that. So oh, I, okay, I, I commandeered the television at uh, at my mom's house where we were having a cookout and everybody was inside because it was hot as fuck out yesterday. Yep. So I, uh, do. I, I grabbed the, uh, oh, I'm not leaving the house today. I uh, I grabbed the remote and uh, and threw on the, the Heavy Rain uh, marathon of a whole bunch of Okada matches and I was the only one into it. And I was selfish and made everybody else watch it uh, and nobody gave a shit. So I will say, yes, confirmed, you do have to be a wrestling fan to enjoy New Japan for wrestling uh so a quick programming note uh on the patreon side of things uh if you haven't jumped on it we are going to be talking about spider-man far from home yes. uh and we're going to talk a little bit about our impressions so far on stranger things season three i don't think we've uh completed it yet yeah. uh, between the two of us i think we're actually on the same episode too yeah um so yeah check that out if you aren't already a patreon subscriber hop on hop aboard enjoy your boys talking about some pop culture and next week's episode is gonna be fucking crazy as on saturday we have the g1 climax b block which uh -huh. yes is in the morning our time but it airs on access saturday night if you want right. to watch it on tv uh, we've got AEW Fight for the Fallen in Jacksonville, and we've got the Evolve 10th Anniversary Show on the WWE Network. And Sunday is Extreme Rules in Philadelphia. So uh, it's going to be another packed episode. Please, God, don't let anything else happen in professional wrestling. <laughs> Just nothing else major. I, I, no one, no one's allowed to die. No one's allowed to sign a new contract. No one's allowed to leave the company. Weirdly, like there's too much to talk about. What if there's a uh, uh, a sex tape leak of Becky and Seth? Totally into it. I need it in my life. 
Him and his tiny little dick that loves Nazis. The Rough House Podcast is a weekly podcast. Follow us at Rough House SGW on Twitter and Facebook.com slash The Rough House Podcast. Become a donor to The Rough House at Patreon.com slash The Rough House Podcast. And check out our videos at YouTube.com backslash channel backslash capital U C E G J 2 1 N lowercase w capital G lowercase k capital P M lowercase L capital D N seven lowercase C three lowercase R lowercase F U V Q. This is the, the Rough, House, Rough Pod- House uh podcast with Justin and Christoph. That's it. Fuck Christoph, he's terrible with his information. Okay. Hey, this is The Rock. Shut your mouth, jabronis, and listen up, because this is the Rough House podcast with Justin and my least favorite man on the planet, Christoph. And Marty? The preceding presentation was brought to you by The Realm Network. So you say you want to be a pro wrestler? Well, head on down to Dr. Bonerfinger's Flapjack Jamboree Wrestling School. Hi, I'm Dr. Bonerfinger's. I've never wrestled, but I have at least 14 to 15 VHS tapes of prior pro wrestling events. Slamboree, World War III, In Your House, 1997. I've owned them all. I've watched them multiple times. I once bought a pair of Owen Hart's tights off of eBay prior to his untimely demise. We have a ring set up. Is it a real ring? It's mostly just mats and some jump ropes I found at a local Salvation Army, but that shit looks pretty convincing. Come on down, $8,000 a month. Me and my certified staff and by certified, I mean not a one of them has muscular dystrophy. We'll train you in the fine art of professional wrestling as we assume it's done since we watch a whole shit ton of wrestling. TNA, WWE, Ring of Honor, we watch it, we think we know what to do, and you're going to learn how to what to possibly do based on what the hell we think is up. Only $8,500 for enrollment or one huge-ass bag of cocaine. Again, Dr. Bonerfinger's Flapjack Jamboree Wrestling School, located out back of the shed, out back of the Arby's at the corner of Butthole and Smith.